Well, good morning, everyone. I've actually lost track of how many weeks now this is that we've been meeting like this. I must say I'm tired of it. I think I've developed a case of CFS, COVID fatigue syndrome. As I was sitting down at the kitchen table to, to begin preparing for my sermon this week, I was feeling agitated. I had to step away for a bit, take a moment of quiet and uh, let some of the negativity go. As I was meditating, I had the image of fresh air coming into a room, you know, like after a heat wave when you go upstairs and open up all the windows and you get that nice, cool, fresh breeze coming in in the evening. That's what I needed. And a Bruce Coburn song also came to mind, Let the Bad Air Out. It's from his Breakfast in New Orleans album. Strangled by confusion, my mind is in decay. Can't picture tomorrow, can't remember yesterday. Send for the Black and Decker and the psychiatric couch. Open up the window, let the bad air out. Doo-doo, doo-doo, doo-doo. Well, I know I have a problem when I start feeling negative, when all of the bad air starts to build up inside. When that happens, the best thing to do is stop and go and open a window. Well, it's Pentecost Sunday, and that means it's all about a fresh breeze. The spirit in the Bible, as we know, is often pictured as breath, or wind or breeze. In the Acts account, um, it comes with the sound of a rushing wind. And in John's account, it comes as breath, Jesus' own breath. He actually conveys the Spirit by breathing upon them. It's a good thing there wasn't COVID back then. Can you imagine Jesus with his mask on, trying to send out the Spirit to the disciples? It would make a good internet meme. Uh, someone recently sent me one about the Last Supper. It has Jesus sitting there alone in the empty room, headset on, and all the disciples across the top of the screen in little tiles. Judas says, we can't hear you, Jesus. You have to unmute yourself. Well, Pentecost. The wind and the breath of the Spirit signify new life and power. As I was saying last week, the Christian faith is about newness. Amazingly, Jesus says that the revelation will not stop with him. It's in fact good that he's going back to the Father. Because if he goes, he'll send the Spirit, the Advocate. And when the Spirit comes, she will declare new things that are to come. In John chapter 14, verse 12, Jesus says, Very truly I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and in fact, will do greater works than these, because I am going to the Father. Now that's really quite something when you think of it. In the passage for today, Jesus confers the power to forgive and to retain sins. In the past, this power was reserved for God and God alone. Now it belongs to you, 
Jesus tells them. Things are changing. The world is moving. Soon there will be no more temple. You will be the new temple. You will have the power to forgive and to retain sins. Well, you can see how this message would have been so scandalous to Jesus' fellow Jews. It's explosive stuff. Who do these followers of Jesus think that they are? Do they think they're actually God? These people are crazy. We've got to get rid of them. So often it's easy to take the Christian point of view without really contemplating the context and, and understanding how strange this message would have seemed. I find the whole issue and topic of new spiritual power and authority to be quite perplexing, to be honest. For how does one actually receive and discern such power? And how can such power and authority be handled humbly and responsibly? Recently, Mary and I watched the Netflix series Waco. Uh, it's the story of the Branch Davidians and the cult leader, their cult leader, David Koresh. This was a group centered around their charismatic leader who claimed insight into the end times. In the winter of 1993, they ended up in a standoff with the FBI and the Alcohol, Tobacco and Firearms Authority at their Mount Carmel property in central Texas, near the city of Waco. The standoff lasted for 51 days until the FBI finally launched a tear gas attack to chase them out of the building. A large fire ensued and took the lives of 76 Branch Davidians, including 25 children. It was a huge tragedy. The FBI claims to this day that the Davidians started the fire in a mass suicide pact. Members of the cult who had escaped, however, dispute this claim, saying that there was never any talk of suicide. And subsequent investigations have shown a very strong link between tear gas attacks and fires in the past. The show is somewhat sympathetic to the Davidians. And why I'm mentioning it here is because their leader, David Koresh, claimed to be hearing new messages from the Spirit of God. The show ends with him praying and waiting for a new word from the Lord. This is the sort of thing that could seem to be right in line with what Jesus is promising in John. The Spirit will come and will declare new things to you. You will do new and even greater works. The Spirit will grant you new authority, transcending the old. Now this is weird and explosive stuff. I'm also thinking of the Christian charismatic movement, of Benny Hinn, who made the sound of rushing wind into the microphone to, to welcome the Holy Spirit into the convention center. I'm thinking of the whole host 
of healers and hucksters. The charismatic movement seems to be a mix of genuine spiritual experience, genuine healing on the one hand, and manipulation and abuse on the other. It's not a clear picture. And I think that's the reason that many of us have attempted to steer clear of all of this spiritual revelation stuff. It's hard to understand. It's prone to abuse. Better to forget about the spiritual prophecy, the healing, the power, and just stick to a more academic Christianity, to a basic code of conduct approach. It seems to me that this is the way a lot of our mainstream liberal Mennonite um, practice has gone. Um, we tend to just make the faith about an ethical lifestyle, about having the proper values, about supporting the right causes. It's a faith in which spiritual empowerment or revelation or perhaps even prayer are not all that necessary. In some ways, it seems that our faith is not all that different than perhaps the neighbor, the agnostic across the street who doesn't go to church. Uh, they're also a good person. Uh, they also care about important causes like the environment and social justice. Well, where am I going with all of this? Uh, I'm not completely sure, actually. Um, I just know, I just sense that we can't totally give up on all of the mysterious spiritual stuff if we're going to truly call ourselves Christians. This ongoing and dynamic indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit is at the very heart of the New Testament and our faith. It's what provides the energy, the dynamism, the newness, the power. Yet, it can so easily be distorted and abused. But we can't give up on it. We still need to seek God's Spirit. We still need to be open to receiving this Spirit. We need ways, practices of doing so, ways of listening to that still small voice, ways of being influenced by a presence and a power that goes beyond our understanding and even our comfort at times. So let's keep uh, thinking about this, praying about this, and seeking to be open to the moving of the Spirit in our own lives and in our life as a congregation. Happy Pentecost, everyone. Amen.